Just absolutely beautiful. Thank you, you guys. I love to listen to you sing. It's in the Western church, singing and corporate singing is kind of a lost art. And uh, to listen and, and hear you sing and participate in the service this morning is awesome. It's awesome. Body of Christ stuff, right? If just I sang or maybe Hannah could keep me on key, but it wouldn't be as beautiful as us all singing together. I just love that so, so, so much. Would you please uh, join me as we... Uh, Put our uh, hearts and lives uh, into God's word for a few moments. You please join me as we pray. Lord God, it's a great day to be together. A day of, of your grace, a, a day of community, a day of family and moms. We, we praise you for an opportunity to meditate on your word in these few moments ahead. And ask your blessing upon us too as we come to your table and receive from your hand the, the very power of the resurrection, the life of Jesus for us. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who was that person? Who was that person who led you to Christ? Who was that person. When you think back and you go through your life and you assess where you were and, and how it went, who, who was that person who was instrumental in you knowing Jesus? Very few of us had burning bush experiences. Although I suppose if you ride motorcycles in the desert, maybe there was a burning bush. I'm not sure Jesus spoke out of it, but hey, it is kind of what it is. But like the Apostle Paul, not many of us were knocked on a, off a horse and made blind. It just... In, in my life, it didn't really work that way. I'm not sure about yours, but maybe you went to a, a summer camp and you're a 15-year-old kid and you said, I'm, I'm in camp and this is it and, and I know Jesus today. And Maybe there's some of that in, in, in your life. Maybe after, after a particular piece of, of life that was really hard, you, you turned around and you said, you know what? The Lord got me through that and, and here I am today to tell you that I've got the power of the Lord with me. And I want to tell you what God did for me in a really tough spot. Who led you to Christ? Here's who led me to Christ. My parents. This picture was probably 54 years ago this month. That's a picture of my father on the left, not me if you can believe it, and uh, my mother on the right, and me, handsome as ever, being held by my mother. This was the occasion of my father receiving his first call into ministry to plant two churches in southern Arizona in the Mesa area, Mesa and Chandler, and, and he was sent with my mom out of Springfield Seminary, and this was the day they graduated with a little boy who was a little undersized then, but more than made up for it throughout throughout his life. So who led you to Christ? Well, my parents led me to Christ. There's really never a time in my life where I didn't wake up and say, I'm a part of the body of Christ. There's, there's times where I maybe felt a little estranged or something, but, but after my parents left the seminary that summer, I was baptized in Ludington, a, a, a little church that doesn't exist anymore, but a baptismal font that's in a historical, county historical museum. I mean, little but powerful. If each one of us go through that, we, 
we work our way to Acts chapter 1. There was somebody on that Mount of Olives or the, on the Mount of Ascension that told somebody that told somebody that told somebody that told somebody that led you and me to Jesus. And maybe it was a grandmother or a mom, a grandma or grandpa, but it all goes back to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. There was somebody in that moment, somebody in that time that led you to Jesus. Over the course of time, I've had the opportunity to kind of work with clutter. I cleaned up some clutter in my house over the last month. I've been really working on getting clutter out of my office. And I had five boxes of big old nasty clothes that are sitting at the Salvation Army thrift store. And I have um, all sorts of books that have gone away. And I'm just kind of cleaning up my life and cleaning up the clutter in my life. And one of these things I found. Now that's a super cool book. I found that book in a cabin on the Chippewa River where my grandparents lived, Grandma and Grandpa Klinkenberg. And I found it, and my cousins in Minnesota would kill me for it. They would, my cousin would love to have that. She said to me, well, Cousin Tim, why don't you send it and share it with everybody else? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Tucked away in a little place, it was almost as if an angel had left it just for me. You see, my grandfather was a pastor, my dad and his brother were pastors, and I'm a pastor. And this is a book full of sermons that my grandfather Klinkenberg wrote in 1936 and 1937. Some of those are in German, some of it's half in German, half in English. He's got the hymn verses and the hymn notes written in his script on the back. And and it reminds me that the faith is generated from generation to generation. Grandma and Grandpa Klinkenberg led their six children to Christ. And that carried down from my father and mother to me and my brother and sister who are sitting in the sanctuary this morning with my mom. But my Grandma Klinkenberg was a was a very special person. And part of that is, is that Grandpa Klinkenberg was very mean and very uh, loud. As children, we were afraid of him uh, because he was so loud. He was little, but his voice would fill the room. Part of that was because he was pretty much deaf. And in those days, you didn't get nice hearing aids. You had a, a thing in the pocket that we spoke into, and he'd say, speak into my pocket. We're like, yeah, no, no. He was mean, he was strong, he drank too much, and my grand grandmother was sweet and kind and loving, and that went down on my father's side, because my father was that kind of person who really wasn't a conflict guy, he was a get-along-to-go-along guy, much like his son, who does conflict better than I do conflict better than my father did, but I had a very strong mother, which I'll get to in a, in a few moments. But I think about family, and I think about what that means on days like today, where we get to reflect on the fact that Jesus isn't here, but he's called us to be his witnesses, and to be witness in family is sometimes really super hard. 
And when we reflect on that, sometimes that's really super hard. For some of us, it's very warm, but there's pieces of it that are broken. For others of us, it's kind of cold, but there's pieces that are really beautiful. But, but today gives us the day to pause and think about who led us to Jesus and, and what does that matter in our hearts and lives? Who led you to Christ? Who loves you so much in your life that you would give away a Sunday morning to sit with that individual in church today and to be the object of love in a way that transformed your whole life? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says these words, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And, and, and he doesn't say you may or may not. After X amount of training, you will be my witnesses. The disciples didn't even have a certificate of ordination from the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And guess what? The greatest movement in the history of the world was, was sent forward by 11 guys and a bunch of tag-alongs who added in 100 years to the church to the point that 500 years after the church was up and going, 500 years from Acts chapter 1, it's the greatest religious movement and the greatest, biggest movement in the history of mankind. So let's talk a little bit about power. Because Jesus was not messing around when he said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's Acts chapter 2. The power that you and me have is the power of the resurrection. The power that raised up Adam who'd been formed and made in the image of God. But the, the breath of life blown into him. That's the power to animate, the power to make alive. The power to forgive sins. The power to rise up from the dead. It's that power of God that's in us and works through us that makes marvelous things happen in our lives and allows us to hunker down and be strong when things are super tough. The power that you have is resurrection power, the power of life over death, of grace over sin, of forgiveness over judgment, of peace over chaos, of a centeredness in your heart on Christ rather than being bullied and moved by the shifting sands and shifting winds of the world. You have the power of Christ in you through the Spirit, the Spirit of God who works in and through you. It's that power that provides inertia for being a witness. You will be my witnesses. We are witnesses. No matter what, you are a witness of Jesus Christ. It's just, you are. It's, it's what God, you are. And we can sit and wrestle about it and say, well, I'm not equipped. I can't share. I can't do this. and I can't do that. But reality is, in all of life, you are a witness of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite shows, and I got to watch it a lot when I was recovering from my surgery last month, is Law and Order. Ba-na-na. Ba-na-na. 
Do you ever notice when, the, when Ben Stone or Jack McCoy finally twists the witness and gets it going that the, 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 there's loud kind of string sounds, goes, and then the person cracks like an egg. It's just awesome. But I like the law part of it. I mean, I, I like Lenny Briscoe. He's always got a sarcastic quote. And no matter what, it's kind of funny. He's, he's goofy. And, and the new guys are good. The ones going to law school, I like those guys too. But I really like Lenny Briscoe, and he busts him, and he's older, and I identify with that a little more these days, but, but I really like the order part. I like that courtroom stuff. Ben Stone and his kind of drab thing. Well, sir, it looks like you'll be thinking about that for 25 years to life. Bye Love Ben Stone. And Jack McCoy, who can never get his hair to lay down, right? It's like, Jack, come on. Buy a little gel. Put something in your hair. It'll lay down. Jack never gets beyond being a, a policeman's son. There's broken pieces in Jack McCoy that come out through that show that you hear and see. Sometimes he articulates that broken piece from his family, and sometimes it's just his edge. But, but Ben Stone and Jack McCoy's job is to make sure the witnesses are either proven correct or proven false. That's their job. So they set up their witnesses, they prep their witnesses, they got them all ready to go, and, and, and then sure enough, when that witness gets on the stand, the defense attorney tries to smoke Stone and, and McCoy's witness, and the other side is true, they'll bring up the pieces of the deal they made with the DA, and the, 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 the previous lying history, the previous crimes of the past, any good attorney knows exactly what, uh, knows exactly what goes on in, in that, and, and then the jury weighs what? The veracity of the witness testimony. And then at about 9.58, the jury gives its thing, and they walk away. Don't ever fall asleep at Law & Order at 9.55. You'll miss the whole thing. (laughs) We are witnesses of Jesus, not to crimes and misdemeanors. We are witnesses of Jesus. You're never not a witness of Jesus. In the very best days of our family, we are witnesses of Jesus and his love. Some days it's super easy to bear witness to the love of Jesus. When your kids come home with straight A's and their clothes are as beautiful and clean as you left them with when they went away to school, when they agree with you on every point of politics and everything else, you look at your kid and you say, oh, my son, my son, this is just great. <laughs> and there's the, then there's the, the ability to, to, to his parents and grandparents to, to point back to God and say, thank you. And lives are filled with the richness of blessing. Those are good, good days. As we thumb through the pictures of our, of our mind's eye in this time we have together, maybe those, some of those beautiful things come to you of, of camping, of, of traveling, of, of being on ball fields, of just being family on holidays and special occasions. Those are marvelous days to be witnesses. And I would offer easy days to be witnesses as well. But we are witnesses in the good days and the difficult days. My grandma Klinkenberg was a witness to the love of Christ while my grandpa would yell and scream from the attic at my father and her. Every family that's worth their salt goes through difficult times. To deny that is to deny reality. To just kind of paint on a happy face and say, well, our family's fine, no big deal, no problem. Go sell that somewhere else. We're Lutherans. We don't market that. In the very most difficult days of family, 
illness and sickness, in broken relationships, in addictive behaviors, in compulsive moments, in times of anger and frustration. We are witnesses of Jesus and his love. And in homes and families who are Christian, it's not about one up, it's about living together in Christ. And the result of living under the grace and the love of the cross of Jesus and the power of the resurrection of Christ is reconciliation and forgiveness. Forgiveness comes first and reconciliation typically comes down the road. And sometimes forgiveness and letting go is easier than reaching out a hand for a hug and saying, I love you, let's, let's reconcile. But in those tough days, maybe even we are more powerful witnesses than we are in the easy days. So who led you to Christ? And who will you lead to Christ? And how does that work in your family? What does your family look like? How, how does it work even this afternoon as, as you're hanging out? Uh, I said a few moments ago, there's not really a, a card that says, here's how you witness to your family. I hate to say it this way, but just be kind and honest. That's kind of the way my grandma Shriver was. My grandma was a witness. Long before it was fashionable for women to be the head of the household and to make and, and, and drive the, the economics of the family by being a breadwinner, my grandmother was there. Went to school in the Depression, got a, a, a degree to be a registered nurse from the University of Wisconsin-Superior. Anyone ever been to Superior, Wisconsin? Seriously, that's awesome. It's right next to Duluth, Minnesota. <laughs> Grandma worked in Eau Claire County Medical Hospital. She ran a floor of the hospital. Her employees both loved and feared her because she was one tough cookie. Grandma was strong. Grandma was direct. Grandma had an edge to her that sometimes was kind of funny and sometimes was kind of scary. And she played kind of the straight person to my grandfather who's on the right who who liked to have a good time and drink beer and smoke cigarettes. And grandpa was a very simple man who worked in a hardware store for his life and grandma drove. Every time we sat down to eat, we would pray. There was never a time where we wouldn't pray. I can't pick up one meal where we just sat in the backyard or whatnot and did not give thanks to God for the food we had. You never missed church. You never negotiated church. Well, I think we'll, I think we'll drive over from St. Paul and, and hang out, Grandma. But we don't really want to go to church. If you were going to Grandma's, you were going to church. And you sat in the same pew at the same place. And you met all the people who knew Grandma and Grandpa. And Grandma and Grandpa showed their love, not with huge amounts of dollars. Because they were very simple and didn't have huge amounts of dollars throughout life and even in their death. There was never a windfall for either one of them. But there was a connectedness to education and love and family where they made sacrifices to put my mom and my Uncle Bill through college. And they loved us. You can tell with my sister and the way my grandma's looking at my little sister that she loved joy more. But that's all, you know, that's all good. <laughs> And of course, that's me and my brother 
standing there at my grandfather and grandmother's side. You see, Grandma was a witness. Grandma never sat down and said, you need to confess Jesus. Grandma, in good days and in bad days, confessed Jesus. And that made it to my mom. And that made it to me. And that made it to my kids. And God willing, that will make it to my grandchildren. You will be my witnesses, Jesus said. Some of you know my mom. I took this on Thursday just before her Bible study class. Mom is quite a person. She made sure that she taught the faith to her family first, that, that we knew Jesus. Mom was educated at Concordia College in St. Paul, which is Barb and I's alma mater, and then she finished training at Concordia College in River Forest. And in those days, the Lutheran teachers knew the faith in a way that is second to none. My mom knows the Bible and the scriptures as good or better than her preacher son. And sometimes in the Old Testament stuff, significantly better than me, but mom is a teacher. I love to tell the stories of people coming up to me and going, well, you know, your mom's kind of a mean teacher. And I would say, you're telling me that my mom can be mean? What, you know, come on. And so mom taught second grade here at St. John's. She's fantastic teacher. And after the parents, the Orange County parents figured out that it wasn't going to be easy and Mrs. Klinkenberg was no pushover and you weren't just going to get an A- minus for showing up, that you actually had to work and do homework and do your thing, it was, it was, it was uh, after Thanksgiving and into the first of the year that they'd come back and they'd say, your mom's the best teacher we've ever seen. Yes! Right? Because the people who love you provide unconditional love and boundaries for you. And in an age where we struggle with boundaries and values, what a marvelous gift that is to have parents who hold us to our faith and to our life according to God's will and plan for us. My mom taught in church and taught in grade school, leading children to Christ and their families as well. And now she leads a Bible study on Thursday morning for women who hear the word of God. It's one of the richest communities for, for women in our, in, our, in our whole church. And they come and hang out and they get there early and they eat together. And it, I mean, it's like a potluck every Thursday morning, which of course I've been avoiding. And, um, and when mom stands up and When she teaches the faith, she's at her very best. And the people who've heard her teach know exactly what I'm talking about. Grandma and mom, who led you to Christ? And who will you lead to Christ? Our own children? You know, it would have been a great day today to, to do a Skype with Matt and Shannon Jenkins, who are missionaries in Chiang Mai, Thailand. They're knocking it dead over there. They're baptized and leading children to Christ like you can't believe in the middle of absolute nowhere on the coast of Thailand. It would have been great, and it would have been easy, right, because it's not personal. I could, have, I could have just said, here's a picture of Matt and Jenky and their three beautiful kids, and here's what's going on. It would have been a great day for me to bring in a, a foster care family and said, please give us your witness because we're all about witness. 
But, but sharing the faith in your own Jerusalem, in your own family, in your own kitchen, in your own backyard, that's hard. And don't ask me why it's so hard. But it's hard. It's hard sometimes as a mom or grandma to look at your kid across the table and say, you need to know Jesus. It's personal. It's heartfelt. It's sharing from an intimacy that some struggle with. How do you lead your children to Christ? By being a witness in good days and bad and being consistent. And when we're being hypocritical as parents or grandparents, we say we're hypocritical or judgmental and we plead God's grace for us. That's what it means to be a witness led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who led you to Christ? Who will you lead to Christ? And after lunch today, who will be incrementally more open to the gospel because of the witness in your family? This slide was taken 27 years ago this month, even this last week. That's me at about 206 pounds, which if I do the very best I can, I can probably get about to 209. This is my graduation from the seminary. Clearly my wife on my right side, my son Justin, less than three months old, right in the middle there. And we're ready to go. We're on our way, not to St. John's in Orange, but to Faith Lutheran in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. People say, how come you never get rattled by the hard things that go on at St. John's? I said, because I spent 22 months in northern Wisconsin. (laughs) Best fieldwork education I ever had in my life. How come you never get uptight about the budget? I said, because I I remember spending $500 on a $17,000 salary and not being reimbursed when the voters meeting voted me down. Celebrate your family today. You see, the person who can lead our families to Christ is, I I, I can help and I can equip, but there's only one of me and there's 500 of you here this morning. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And sometimes being a witness across the kitchen table or across the booth at brunch today or this evening in the backyard having shrimp tacos is really hard. You will be my witnesses. It's easy and it's natural if you don't overthink it because your life is the greatest witness that you have. Simply live into or tell the truth of what Jesus has done for you. Tell the truth of Christ that you've experienced in your life. Who led you to Christ and how did that work? Someone blessed you someday, maybe years ago. And now you're called to be that same blessing in your family and sphere of influence and in the region in which you live. But the hardest part is sometimes the closest part because it's so heartfelt and so tender and so personal. You will be my witnesses. Should we pray? Lord Jesus Christ, you have delivered us into families. 
Thanks for mothers who loved us in good days and in bad. Thanks for children who followed the narrow path and for children who wandered and all who find God's grace in the loving arms of their parents and grandparents. Thanks for the warmth and kindness we hold on to, for the memories that provide identity and connection to family. Allow us forgiveness and reconciliation in those broken pieces of life. Allow us the humility to do that, Lord, whether it's the humility to go and and seek forgiveness or the humility to say, I forgive you. Guide us in the way of our witness in our homes and families. Be with us, Lord, and grant us the power of your resurrection as we deliver the faith in and through our witnesses. Thanks for today, and thanks for moms. In Jesus' name.